The thing is, I don't think I would ever want to go to the bar with somebody who has used the phrase, it's all about moderation. There's nothing sexy about moderation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Atomic Skull podcast. My name is Matthew, and I am far less drunk this week than I was in the last episode. So we'll see if that's going to work for me or not. I want to start straight away with the overwhelming and hysterical responses that I got to last week's episode. Who knew that me getting completely hammered would entertain so many people and elicit such positive feedback? Look at me now, mom. I got a butt ton of DMs and emails on the alcohol people can't drink anymore. It was as interesting as I thought it would be, so I'm gonna break it down a little bit for your guys' infotainment. I'm not gonna go into each specific story, but here's what you need to know. Every story that you guys were kind enough to send to me, with zero exceptions, included vomit. Fucking all of them. And I am so proud of you guys. As far as which alcohols people can't drink anymore, the one blanket alcohol that made zero appearance on the list is vodka. One of my sisters did say that hers was UV blue, but that's really specific. And that's also barely vodka. Vodka's pretty universal. These days, you can get vodka to taste like anything. I think the most overwhelmed that I have ever been was the last time I went to Total Wine, which, by the way, there is one right next to my work, which is dangerously convenient. And I had to process the literal wall of vodkas with every flavor imaginable. I swear to God, I either saw or am making up that they had one that was ketchup flavored. And if there's anyone listening who thinks that sounds remotely interesting, please get help. I myself have over vodka many times, but it's kind of like watching 90 Day Fiance for me. Sometimes you overdo it just enough to make you sick to your stomach, but that doesn't mean it's gone forever. You take a little break and then you're right back at it. Also, I am pretty blessed because my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, spent most of her adult life being a bartender, and that bitch will fuck you up with shots. She can take warm Svedka, mustard, and chicken noodle soup, and she will turn that shit into a shot that will taste like touchdowns. But I digress. Aside from not hearing anything about vodka, pretty much every other liquor made at least a cameo appearance on the list. Goldschlager and Fireball definitely made an appearance. Me being a total cinnamon hoe, I can't relate. I think Fireball is delicious. Mix that shit with some rum chata and you have a cinnamon toast crunch shot for your ass. Overall, whiskey made a pretty big appearance. What was wild is that it was rarely whiskey as a thing. It was like different brands. I got Seagram's, I got Jack, I got Crown. I don't want to dive too deep or mention too many of them because I'm sure someone's stomach is already turning just listening to this. Now, second place, the silver medal goes to gin. And I understand this one. Rum was what caused my barfapalooza that abruptly ended my relationship with Captain, but I would be completely okay with eliminating gin forever if it wasn't for a gin fizz. I'm not sure exactly how that slides through with me, but I fucking love a good 
cold gin fizz. If you've never had one, even if you don't like gin, take a shot at it because gin fizz is delicious. First place, number one, I'm purposefully leaving a lot of space in between my words in case any of y'all are calling it out right now. First place, worst place is Jägermeister. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And the crazy thing, it was mostly the fellas who can't do it anymore. Specifically, the hardcore metal rock and roll boys that used to be able to do Jäger. And then, well, trust me, I got the stories you do not want to know. Come on, fellas. If you happen to be able to hear my shit-eating grin through the microphone right now, it's because I fucking love Jägermeister. It was the very first shot I ever took, which was at a rowdy and raciously inappropriate house party I went to right after I graduated high school. Actually, man, I haven't thought about that party in a fat minute. As much as I would love to share, I think I should probably keep the finer points of that evening to myself. I would really love to bring that statement all the way home with an evil laugh right now, but my throat kind of hurts, so you're going to have to bill me for that one. Meanwhile, I've heard so many cautionary tales about Jaeger over the course of my life. It was one of the very few things that I learned the easy way to stay away from and not overdo it too much. Mrs. What's-Her-Name, on the other hand... Let me tell you a story about why Mrs. What's-Her-Name is not allowed to drink Jaeger anymore. We were at a bar one afternoon waiting on some dinner reservations, and we were the only people in this bar, save for a trio of people at the table next to us. And in the middle of our conversation, the trio of people very kindly interrupted us and said, would you like a shot? We will not turn down free shots. This is part of our personal brand. We said, yes, we will absolutely take a shot. Bring us over whatever you want. They were the owners of the bar, as it turns out, and they brought us over many shots of Jägermeister. Uh, not one, not two, not, I mean, there were many shots of Jäger. And we thanked them. They were very kind. And we went to our dinner reservations. A really nice steakhouse. Some family and friends were with us. Mrs. What's-Her-Name was completely fine during the meal. Let me tell you this before I move on. I am not the jealous type, okay? I have absolutely no issues with her flirting with dudes. She's been a bartender her entire adult life. Like I said, she makes her living. She makes her cash flirting with old drunk guys. I have literally sat next to multiple dudes who didn't know who I was and were just throwing hard, hard game down at her. She would just unbutton the top button of her shirt, work the dudes for tips. She is damn good at it. I loved seeing it. It was fantastic. It always makes me laugh when I see stuff like that. Now, we finished dinner and the manager of the restaurant comes over. We were kind of a bigger party, so he came over to check in on us and he said, how was your guys' meal? And Mrs. What's-Her-Name says, I loved having your meat in my mouth. You can put your meat in my mouth anytime you want. This dude turns beet red and walks away. He says absolutely not. He doesn't know what to say. And Mrs. What's-Her-Name, to this day, literally refuses to believe it ever happened, no matter how many times anyone at the table has retold this story. 
And looking back on it, I'm actually kind of pissed that I bought her a steak dinner that she doesn't even remember. Bitch owes me 60 bucks. I should also mention that I do have an ex-girlfriend I get along with pretty well. Relatively well, you know, I don't know. Life is weird, man. But she does listen to the program, and her answer to the alcohol question was, and I quote, The alcohol I can't drink anymore is none because I'm not a fucking pussy. Okay, sweetie, enjoy the quarter of the edible that you can't fucking eat without lighting your hair on fire and falling asleep. Oh my god, she's gonna kick my ass for saying that. Come get it, bitch! For the second gold star question from last week that I asked, what alcohol makes you an asshole? The answer was universal. Tequila. Apparently, tequila turns many of the female listeners of this little shit show into a walking dumpster fire. Fair enough. It just makes me not able to pronounce Morrissey without damn near giving myself an infarction. Let's move on from booze, because my mom, who listens to every episode religiously, is 11 years sober, and all this shit is probably fucking killing her right now. But rest assured, this is not the end of the Three Shots series. There is another episode coming down the line. Those of you who might be listening that are from Chicago particularly the south side of Chicago, you might have an idea of what three shots I'll be getting into next. And that episode is going to be a son of a bitch. Also in that episode, I will be sharing more drunk stories, but those will be about other people. I will be singing like the wind. I'll be telling tales out of school. So if you've ever been drunk around me and it was a time, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. You could bill me for two evil laughs because my, my throat is killing me right now. All right, let's move on to the Emmy Awards. The Emmys were last week, and shame on me. I didn't even know. I didn't even know the show was happening until I saw acceptance speeches popping up on my Facebook feed. That's not a good sign for someone who's trying to fire up a pop culture podcast. But thank God, though, for the Emmys being on because it gives me the opportunity to shoehorn in talking about a bunch of shit that was on before the podcast started. That's kind of one of the big things I'm pissed about is the idea that I got to obviously I have to keep things relatively current. There's so much stuff that I would love to dig into from before I started this whole thing, but I kind of can't because I don't want to like outdate myself too much. You know what I mean? Like, where would it stop? All right, you guys, I want to talk about the correlation between... Marx Brothers movies and Marxism. I, I can't do that. So I have to draw the line somewhere, right? But I'm getting way behind myself. So let's get back to the Emmys. We're going to do a deep dive into my love of TV in another episode down the line. What makes me sad is I don't really have as much time as I used to to watch newer TV shows. And that is, it's made, it's so much worse because I have almost every single streaming service at my disposal. There is a bunch of shit that I want to watch, but I literally do not have as much time. Certainly not as much time as I used to. I'm very grateful that my life is so busy because the more downtime I have, the more of an asshole my brain is to me. But also, I do wish I had the time to just like kick back and blast through a bunch of shows. I will be the first to admit that sometimes there is just no making me happy. A couple of things about some of the Emmy-nominated shits that I want to run through. Ted Lasso and Succession both pretty much cleaned house. The only streaming service that I don't have is Apple TV. So that, along with 
my life as a whole, like I said, has prevented me from watching Ted Lasso. Both of those are excuses. I'll, I'll get to it at some point. Same with Succession. I'm guessing it's probably about the best show on TV right now. I want to watch Succession. I'm just not creating the time. I like sleep, unfortunately. Kiss my ass. I'm old now. Plus, Brian Cox, the star of the show, kind of an asshole. I'm not saying that's a deal breaker, but it doesn't really make me want to break my wrist grabbing the remote control. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll get to it. Something I did like was seeing all of the old farts, like the ones who were old even when I was young, getting nominated way past their expiration date. Steve Martin and Martin Short got nominated for Only Murders in the Building, which I think I've mentioned the show before. I love it. It's fantastic. It's on Hulu. Check it out. Henry Winkler getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Barry was great. Henry Winkler is the best part of that show. Hashtag hot take summer. And we're just getting started. I am a couple minutes away from pissing at least a couple of people right off. Normally, I get annoyed when I see famous people complain that they're only known for like that one thing that they did. Like, really, William Shatner, you want to complain about being Captain Kirk? The role that made you filthy fucking rich, made you a household name, afforded you the ability to terribly try to break out of your pigeonhole and show the world what an awful actor you actually are. The role that gets you hundreds of dollars for a 15 second photo op at any Comic-Con you've ever gone to. Free drinks, free meals, free vacations, and more fucking snooch than Ed Sheeran could ever dream of? Shut the fuck up and go back to counting your money. Everybody knows Henry Winkler from Happy Days, and I get it. He played the Fonz, it's an iconic character, and he did it really well. But he had a really great part in Scream, which was one of the defining horror movies of the 90s. He was Barry Zuckercorn in Arrested Development. And as they say in the show, he was very good. He steals every scene he has in Barry. He might be one of the few people that I actually kind of feel bad for as being pigeonholed. Dude has some amazing talent. He deserves a little better. I should note that he did win a few years ago for Barry. So he did get his. Also, in supporting actor drama was my main man, Tony Shalhoub. Adrian Monk is one of my favorite characters in television history, and nobody could have played him but Tony Shalhoub. He's great in everything he's in. Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is what he was nominated for this year. He was great in Wings way, way, way back in the early 90s. He was great in 13 Ghosts, which might be the most underrated horror flick of all time. He was fantastic in Big Night with Stanley Tucci, which was an indie flick from way, way back when. I'm really just glad to see that he's still out there doing things. Laurie Metcalf, from Roseanne. I think she won for uh, Best Supporting Something or Another. Jane Lynch, Laura Linney, who had that Emmy stolen right out from under her by Zendaya. I like Zendaya just fine, and I like Euphoria, but Laura Linney had so much more range in Ozark. Best thing she's ever done. Hashtag hot take summer. Michael Keaton Someone else who I'm so happy to see that he's made a comeback in the last few years, starting with Birdman. And going back to Shatner, Keaton was known for playing Batman. He was better as Beetlejuice, but he was known more for Batman. And it was him embracing that role after years of shunning it that got him his starring role in Birdman, and then that relaunched his career. So good for him. Embrace the things that make you famous, man. You never know where it'll take you. And that brings me to 
probably my favorite win of the night, Jennifer Coolidge, who won for Best Supporting Actress in White Lotus. I did get to watch White Lotus, and it was fucking weird, but in a normal way. Coolidge is so good in everything she does. She's self-aware. She knows her strengths. She can play all different kinds of comedy. Everyone knows her as Stifler's mom from American Pie, which she's always embraced, by the way. But if you want to see Jennifer Coolidge in top form, you got to check out Best in Show, one of my favorite comedies. In a movie that is full of comedy royalty, she wears the tiara, which is extra funny if you actually know the flick. The last thing that I want to mention before I move on is Ray Seahorn not winning for Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul has been nominated, I think, like 46, 49 times, has won zero Emmys. That alone sucks, but Ray Seahorn not winning, I have mixed feelings. Part of me wants to crack skulls, just like I said I would, but also... Julia Gardner, who won that category as Ruth Langmore from Ozark. That character had so much more history and nuance to play with, and she blew it out of the water. Shit, man. I hate to backtrack myself, but she may have deserved it. I don't know where to put my emotions. There is not a bad choice between the two. Shit. Let's get to this week's medium pimpin' feature. And I'm going to hit two of them this week. One is a little quickie, and then one is a little more long form. The first one is nice and easy. Quote, I am medium pimping every single time I slip into my entry-level luxury sedan I bought myself for my birthday. As someone who is seriously entertaining the idea of buying a bitchin' car, which is something I never thought I would do, I can dig that 100%. There's nothing wrong with microdosing your medium pimpin'. I totally get that. As for the long form version of that, I'm digging the mamas in my life hitting me with an entire day worth of wonderment. And I want to throw out there real quick that medium pimpin' is not quite the same as self-care. It's, you know, self-care is doing little things for yourself here and there, and that's really wonderful. Medium pimpin' is living that best version of your life that's in front of you. I feel like it's maybe right above, maybe a step or two above self-care. So this is the one I have this week that I want to highlight. Quote, waking up to complete silence. No one speaking to me, looking at me, touching me until somewhere around 11 a.m. Drinking coffee and having my favorite breakfast burrito while chilling on the patio table in the cool shade. Still in my pajamas, followed by a full afternoon at the spa with a champagne lunch, finishing the day with reading a book to completion, and then taking a long, hot, candlelit bubble bath and falling asleep with ease. End quote. First off, I'm a fan of doing anything to completion. Come on, you guys. I had to I had to go there. If I didn't go there, it wouldn't be me, right? I wouldn't be me if I didn't say it, okay? I would be letting you guys down if I didn't act like a teenage boy at every opportunity. So I'm turning everything into a sex joke just for you. But getting these long-form paragraphs has definitely opened my mind up to doing something that isn't just like a couple of minutes or a couple of hours worth. When I think about medium pimping for me, even like that first example that I gave to you guys, it was a few hours. I need to step up my game. You guys, send me your medium pimping blueprints. Instagram at Atomic Skull Podcast. If you want to email them to me, Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. This is something I'm going to be revisiting every single week. So I want to have plenty of them in the bank. And I did get some great responses from the gentleman after my request last week. So next time will be for the boys. You can count on that. 
All right, let's get to the meat of this whole episode. Sorry, Morrissey fans. We are going to end hashtag hot take summer with a bang and roasting marshmallows out here with several rapid fire hot takes that I'm hoping will rile some of you up enough to send a message and give me a little pushback. So let's boogie. We are going to jump head first into Adele, which might be a very poor choice of words. I want to start by saying, I think we have enough rolling in the deep covers. Can we all agree on that? We don't need any more of them. It is easily her best song. I fucking love the song. I sing it every time it comes on. It is one of my unskippables. But we have enough cover versions of it. There is literally a rolling in the deep cover in every genre. Off the top of my head, no notes. Here's a couple of people that I know have done covers of the song that I personally have heard. John Legend, Kelly Clarkson, Childish Gambino, Linkin Park, Greta Van Fleet, Straight No Chaser. Uh, They did it on Glee. Aretha Franklin, Blackstone Cherry, and I didn't even look any of that up. It is this generation's knocking on heaven's door. I think the thing here is that I need to have the talk with Adele. So if you guys could all just keep it down for a second and give me a couple of minutes, I'm going to have a heart-to-heart with my girl here. Hello, it's me. We need to talk. I've been doing a lot of thinking recently, and... Something I've realized is that in a relationship, when two people don't change together, it can really cause a lot of problems. I know I've been working really hard over the last few years to better myself and heal, but I feel like you're basically bringing up the same stuff that you were bringing up when you were 19. I know that you want me to go easy on you, but I also need to share my truth. And it always feels like either you don't have love and you're sad, you had love and lost it and you're mad, or you're heartbroken over the love you had. I'm not saying I don't understand. I've been there. I was there when I was 25, just like you. But now you're 30 and you're basically still just a walking Joy Division song. I've been doing my best to accept that because you have such a beautiful singing voice and equally important, at least for me, you're so funny and so down to earth. I don't just love your voice and your incredible talent, but I've always been so invested in you as a person. But I think the deal breaker for me was when you just up and canceled your Vegas residency like 24 hours before the first show. People who love you even more than I do paid all of this hard-earned money and traveled from literally everywhere to one of the most expensive cities in the world to see you play. They put their entire lives on hold just for you and you bailed on them. And rumor has it, you sort of lied about why. I appreciate that you kind of admitted that and cop to it, but I don't know if that makes it better. It's not you, it's me. I just think that whether I like it or not, I'm moving on and I'm going to choose to embrace that. Trying to fight it would just be chasing pavements. If things change, I wouldn't be opposed to reconnecting down the line. I wish nothing but the best for you. I would definitely like to be friends, and I'm not just saying that. Look on the bright side. This will probably inspire you to write a song for your next album that will make you even filthier rich. All right, I want to move on to a list of songs that I despise and I wish would go away and never come back. My Humps by Fergie. I I just, I I want to kill myself every time I hear that song. I Got a Feeling by The Black Eyed Peas. I do like The Black Eyed Peas. I think my problem is Fergie, now that I'm saying it out loud. 
I also want to add more than words by extreme onto that. And lastly, my heart will go on by Celine Dion. I understand that it's objectively a beautiful song and I don't fucking care. I don't want to hear it anymore. I want those songs to go away. Next hot take. There is nothing sadder, lonelier, and thirstier than a single grown-ass woman who insists on celebrating her entire birthday month. I don't know how we as a society let that slide through. I was a, let's say I was a party to this recently, and it is the most extra-ass bullshit I have seen this side of RuPaul's Drag Race. It is single as fuck. I don't even have a bit about it or anything. It was just sad. All right, next. Stop complaining about seeing tits at rock concerts. I know it's 2022, but you don't hear anyone complaining about seeing Whoppers at Burger King. And I gotta stop myself before I go full-on Mussolini on the balcony. But I do want to end my rapid-fire ranting with saying that I don't really like anything that Seth Rogen or Amy Schumer have ever been in, but I think I would genuinely like hanging out with them. And that brings me to my gold star question for the week. Who is someone or someones that you don't really like a lot of their work, but you would totally hang out with them if you were given the opportunity? Shoot me an email, slide into my DMs. I want to get the answers to that because I'm very curious. Mine are super strange considering the person that I pretend to be. Let's do best and worst of the week because I am ready for both. Best of the week for me is going to have to go to Clerks 3. Kevin Smith, the director of all the Clerks movies, and I have a very long history that he is not aware of, nor does he give two shits about, but I do. If you don't know who Kevin Smith is, I don't know if you've heard of like Jay and Silent Bob. Kevin not only created those characters for the Clerks movies, but he plays Silent Bob. Way, way back when I was like 14 years old, I had one of those troublesome older cousins who would get me into all sorts of shenanigans. He was the one who took me to my first porn store. He took me to my first strip club. He got me into trouble all the time. And one night he just said, hey, so I'm going to run over to the video store because there is this movie that I saw that I really, really think you'd like. And he came back and he brought clerks and we ended up watching it right under my grandma's nose. Luckily, she wasn't paying attention. But when I watched it, I laughed my ass off. And more importantly, I related to it at a time in my life where I didn't really relate to anything positive. Here were these two guys in the movie who were just a little older than I was, but they were talking about shit that I talked about. Movies, comic books, Star Wars, music, pussy. They said mean shit to each other, called each other names, got angry. They spent the whole movie playing it not being emotional, but deep down, they definitely were. They just didn't know how to handle it, like most men, particularly young ones. I know that's how I was. It was the first movie that I watched where I saw myself on screen, and it gave me such a profound personal investment in the flick. Sometime after watching Clerks, I realized that it was written and directed by a dude named Kevin Smith, who was a film school dropout that worked in a shitty video store in New Jersey. And he was a guy who was like me, or at least how I saw myself, how I still see myself. He talks a lot, whether you want him to or not. He's smart funny and eloquent. I try to fool people into thinking I'm smart, funny, and eloquent. Overall, he just seemed like a really cool dude that I would love to talk to. His second movie was Mallrats, 
and one last hot take summer here for me is I hated Mallrats. Most of his fans love Mallrats. A lot of people who have seen it think it is his best movie. I couldn't stand it. It seemed stupid, pointless, ridiculous. The story and the jokes were watered down. I think I am the only fan who I've ever met that doesn't like that movie. And I understand that I'm the problem. Everybody else likes it. I don't know if he likes it that much, but I definitely didn't. But his filmmaking matured as I was maturing. And his next two movies after that came out at exactly the right time when I needed to see them. Chasing Amy, which he did next, was a movie about love and how much of a fucking mess it can make in your life and in your heart. And I've definitely learned that lesson over and over again. Dogma was kind of his take on religion. And I saw that movie in the theater, first week it was out, right when I was starting to question my own religious values and trying to figure out the things that I believed versus the things that I was taught. Despite the fact that it has a rubber poop monster in it, I thought the story was brilliant and I thought the message was profound and the cast is stacked. Chris Rock, Selma Hayek, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, the great Alan Rickman, Jason Lee, and Alanis Morissette is God. My favorite story about Dogma is they had a bunch of news articles and news broadcasts talking about how there were these religious people that were going to picket the movie because it was very anti-religious or it's not, but in their eyes, it was blasphemous. So a bunch of uh, super religious people were going to go picket the movie. And Kevin Smith went to one of these picketing things where he heard that there were going to be hundreds of people gathering from a church. It ended up being like... 14, 15 people. And he was there and he brought his own sign that he made that said, dogma is dog shit. And when he went, he actually got interviewed by a newscaster from a local news station and you can youtube it he just starts going off about how much the movie sucks and how much he hated it even though he'd never actually seen the movie and it's super great the dude does not take himself seriously at all and that's one of my favorite things about him clerks 2 came out like over a decade after the first one and then once again it was right at the perfect time for me I was getting a little older and still super nerdy, but I felt directionless. I was struggling with a lot of different parts of myself at the time, and I was definitely more than a little lost. And that was the theme at the epicenter of Clerks 2, is what happens to nerds as they get older. There is this wonderful scene in the movie, it's it's a musical number, that is to ABC by the Jackson 5. And one of the main characters of the story, Dante, falls in love with a girl. And they start dancing to ABC, which is one of my favorite songs. And it sort of leads into every character in the movie dancing wherever they are, whether they're in their car or whether they're at a urinal or wherever they are. They just start dancing. And that's what falling in love feels like to me. It feels like you and everyone around you is fucking dancing to the Jackson 5. There is no more beautiful feeling in the world. And the movie itself had a fucking donkey show in it. It was not a serious movie. But for some reason, that scene, that musical number hit me so hard. Now, cut to a couple of years ago. 
he had a heart attack. Kevin had a heart attack. So he would do what he would call spoken word tours. He still does them. They're basically stand-up comedy things that are long form. He'll do four or five hour shows because he'll do Q&As. He'll just answer questions from fans and it'll lead into this, you know, long ass story or whatever it is. He felt like this weird pain in his chest but they were recording one of his spoken word performances. So he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really in pain right now, but let me go out and do this. So he goes out and he does his entire performance. And then right after he gets off stage, he passes the fuck out. As it turns out, he had a heart attack and it was uh, a blockage that was called the Widowmaker because 80% of the people who get this kind of heart attack end up dying. And he didn't. He survived. He went on a diet. He lost a buttload of weight. And, you know, good for him, man. He is vegan, but I am going to let that slide because he's so fucking awesome. But having his heart attack inspired Clerks 3, which just came out this last week. I got to see it. It brought back so many characters from the Clerks movie, so many jokes from the Clerks movie, the first one. It maybe is the most meta film I have ever seen. I am not afraid to admit that I cried multiple times. I laughed my ass off. Kevin never really breaks any like cinematic ground with his movies, but I always have a damn good time watching them. And what more could you want seeing a flick like that? You know what I mean? When he had his heart attack and we almost lost him, I rewatched all of those old movies that I had seen and memorized after years of not seeing them. And it was such a treat to watch them as an older and maybe wiser person. Those movies are 100% part of my DNA. I know he's never going to hear this, but thanks, Moves. Thank you for everything. For worst of the week, we need to talk about the whole Little Mermaid thing going on right now. I do think that Disney remaking all of their old animated movies into live action is proof positive that there's a serious lack of good original ideas out there. However, why is it such a big deal to people that Ariel isn't white? I have read a bunch of vile shit online, which starts with, well, why does she have to be black? Motherfucker, why does she have to be white? Because that's how she was. It's a new movie. It's a new year. It's a new era. It's a new time. It is a new day. It's a day where you have the opportunity to take a second and think to yourself, if it is so important to you that the character is white for any reason, you need to re-examine your values. There are people in the world who have to drink the water that they bathe in. And here you are bitching about the skin color of a fictional talking mermaid. Just because you have watched the movie doesn't mean that you own the movie. Let it go. Remember how I was just talking about the importance of seeing a part of myself on a movie screen and what it did for me? I think it is just as important for a young girl of any color to see herself on a movie screen in a way that makes her feel validated. And the fact that it pisses off privileged, closed-minded white people is just icing on the cake. Now, would it be even better to create wholesome, iconic, heroic characters who are originally of color and or female instead of regurgitating the same story with minimal effort. That's not really sending the greatest message to kids either, but that's going to have to wait for another episode. All right, weird kids. I think that about wraps it up. I do have some important news to tell you before I turn you loose. 
I am going to be taking the next two weeks off. I was debating on when to start this podcast because of plans that I've had baked in from forever ago. But I just couldn't wait to start. I had too many good jokes about Amber Heard shitting on the bed and I didn't want them to get a stale. Taking time off isn't something that I'm gonna be doing very often, okay? I want nothing more than to give you all the wet, hot, juicy goss on a weekly basis. But the fact of the matter is that after two and a half mask wearing, social distancing, toilet paper hoarding years, Mrs. What's Her Name and I are finally getting to go on our honeymoon. And after sharing that Jaeger story that I promised her I would never share, she deserves nothing less than my full undivided attention. So I hope this little break will give you guys an opportunity to catch your breath and miss me a little bit. Maybe tell an extra friend or two about the whole shit show. Realize that your week isn't complete without hearing me bitch about movies and gush over Harry Styles. If you are a little bit behind, I hope you've caught up on episodes. And I will be back on October 10th. Renewed, recharged, refocused, and ready to get my Halloween on with you guys all month long. I have a killer idea on how to celebrate my favorite spooky holiday with you guys, and I already can't wait to get started. Follow me on Instagram if you haven't yet for some crazy reason at Atomic Skull Podcast. Tell someone else to follow me on Instagram, grab their phone with consent, and follow me on their behalf. Just because I'm taking time off from recording doesn't mean I'm taking time off from posting. There will be plenty for you guys to visually chew on while you wait for my next episode with anticipation. People have been asking me what Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I are going to be doing on our honeymoon. Bitch, what do you think we're going to be doing on our honeymoon? And that's all I'm going to tell you. For the song of the week, I want to jump back to the first moments of Clerks 2, which had a really great montage of the two main characters driving around New Jersey, to Nothing But Flowers by The Talking Heads, which is my favorite song of theirs. I will be adding that to the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Please check out these songs. They are great songs that I'm giving you for the Songs of the Week. The playlist is getting longer. All good stuff. Thank you guys, as always, so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me for just a little bit. Share with anybody that you can, anybody that you think would love it as much as you do. The responses have been great. The support, the feedback have been wonderful. Please keep doing that. Uh, Message me about the gold star question for this week as well. I can't wait to hear the answers. I will see you guys in way too much time. How are you doing?